It's the Atop the Pitbox podcast with your hosts, Zach and Josh. Good evening, fantasy NASCAR race fans. Welcome to another episode of the Atop the Pitbox podcast presented by ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. On this episode, we are going to talk about the chaos that ensued at Daytona and look ahead to this weekend's race at Darlington, which is the first playoff race out of the next 10. Josh, how you doing, buddy? Zach, doing well. Good to see you. Got a big show tonight. Really pumped. We got a playoff field set for NASCAR and our fantasy uh, league. I'm super pumped. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Before we get into it, though, just want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we do appreciate you uh, supporting the podcast. If you do enjoy it, please leave us a five-star review, and that helps other people find the podcast. November 6th, remember, we are at the West Side in Harlan, Iowa. We will have t-shirts for sale. I'm wearing my shirt right now, and they're comfortable and look awesome. So let, let us know if you want one ahead of time, but we will have those for sale and be giving them away at the West Side on November 6th. And I mentioned before, we're trying to grow the league. Make sure that you tell all your friends and family atopthepitbox.com. That's where you go to register for the league next year. If you're already in the league, you don't need to go there. We will we have your email and we will be uh, sending that out when the league starts for next year. But anybody that's not in the league, please make sure they know that link and get signed up so that they know when the league starts for next year. And there is a Facebook group, so go like that. That's enough for that. Let's get into the the episode here. A little bit of free agency news before we touch on Daytona. What do you got, Zach? Got three three new pieces coming out of last week. The first one, and this is probably the uh, one of the bigger ones, is Logano signed a multi year extension with Penske. Uh, looks like they're trying to wrap up all their drivers and extend them here for the for the near uh, distant future. With Blaney signing last week, Logano signing last week, so. Seems like they're pretty set now at Penske. We've been mentioning this here the last couple of weeks, but Eric Almarola finally came out and and confirmed that he is coming back next year uh, to Stuart Haas Racing. Sounds like Smithfield, uh, aka Farmland, big big uh, in, in the you know hog and, and meat side of things in this world uh, decided that they are going to write a bigger check to Stuart Haas Racing next year. So I think, you know, like we discussed, seems like Stuart Haas wanted Smithfield and needed Smithfield as a sponsor. So they decided to uh, let Eric Amarola stay for next year. And it sounds like next year is probably his his last year, but we'll see. Uh, I'm guessing he might change his mind again if, if they write a bigger <laughs> check again next year. So uh, those are the two driver announcements. What do you think about Logano and Blaney being the future of Penske and that racing team? Uh, I'm not surprised one bit. I mean, Blaney's been with Penske since day one in NASCAR for his NASCAR career. I mean, he raced for Wood Brothers, which is an affiliate of Penske. And then after he got done there, after the whole Keselowski, I, I guess he did race with Keselowski there for a while. But once Penske decided to start, start shifting to go younger, uh, they brought Blaney in the fold. He's done really well for him, so I'm not surprised there in the Logano. I mean, he, he's a championship contender every year, as much as I hate to say that. Uh, I despise <laughs> the guy, but uh, he's a really good race car driver. Uh, he's a championship contender. Uh, Shell Pennzoil is one of his main sponsors, and again, uh, they, they write a big check to Penske every year. So I'm not surprised at all that those two guys are coming back. The one that surprised me is Eric Almirola. I mean, I really thought he was done but again the, the sponsorship dollars talk these days it, it is crazy to me that it, it really doesn't matter the driver anymore as long as they have a big checkbook backing them they're probably going to have a spot in nascar what's this say about kyle bush who is not as good of or eric amoral is not as good of a race car driver as kyle bush i, I think no one would argue that and yet his sponsor is begging him to come back and upping their their price that what they're willing to pay to have him, you know, drive their car. And Kyle Bush can't find 
anybody to to sponsor him. It's, I think it says a lot. It pains me to say that, but uh, with Mars leaving NASCAR, uh, it just seems like Kyle Busch really doesn't have a sponsorship option or, or something to attach to right now. I think that the, the main thing that I, I'm taking out of this is the business model of NASCAR is almost broken to, a, to in, in, in essence, and it needs We've talked fixed, about that before too. Which, yeah. I mean, Denny Hamlin, and like we've talked about, Denny Hamlin, Justin Marks say NASCAR, NASCAR's business model needs to change. These teams shouldn't have to write a check for 20 to $25 million a year to get these cars on the track and rely on sponsorship dollars. That, that just shouldn't happen. So sponsorship should be extra bonus money that they've they've gotten, you know, to help help cover, you know, some of the other costs, not yep. to fund the team. Exactly. So, so. We've, we've talked about that a lot and hopefully we we see some changes over the the off season and we can talk about that at that point, but yeah, it's it does need to change cuz it's it's not not set up for success. Another newsworthy item as it pertains to Alex Bowman yeah, so his crew chief has an, or announced this past week that he's stepping down at the end of this year. So it sounds like he wants to spend more time with his family. These guys are on the road, you know, 36 weeks a year. If you're a crew chief, you're an engineer, you're working at the shop nonstop during the offseason, you really don't have a week off. So you're starting to see a lot more of this. You know, Dale Jr.'s crew chief, Steve Latart. I would say he left NASCAR in his prime. He's now an announcer, which I did not know that that was his 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 crew chief. Yeah, during, I did not know that during his last last year or last two years at Hendrick, him and Latart were paired together. Dale Jr. You know had some pretty good success with them, but the rigors of this schedule it, it's basically a full time, maybe even a, a double full time job for these crew chiefs. So you're seeing a lot more crew chiefs get out of the sport. Uh, in what I would call their prime or, or their younger years, but they just need to get out and spend time with their family. So that is the first. Do you want a championship? Do you want a championship before? Letard or Dale Jr.? Greg Ives. Oh, Greg Ives. No, he he's he. I think he was Jimmy Johnson's engineer. So he won some championships under Jimmy Johnson as his as his car chief or crew engineer. Chad Knauss obviously was his crew chief there uh, for his for all his championships. But he, Greg Ives was an integral part of that, which is why he got elevated to crew chief. He was a crew chief for Dale Jr. Uh, they, they had a little bit of success, but nothing too crazy. And then he got moved over to Bowman once Jimmy Johnson retired. So Dale Jr. drove for Hendrick? That's, that's who he drove for his last five, six, seven years in NASCAR, yeah. Really? What was he before? He drive for his dad at Dale Earnhardt Incorporated, DEI. Oh, so that doesn't exist anymore. DEI that company got bought by Chip Ganassi, and then when Chip Ganassi Racing folded, or or basically sold out to uh, Trackhouse. So Trackhouse is kind of the old the, 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 <laughs> the DEI huh? times <laughs> times two or three. See, yeah. I, I learn something new every time we do the podcast. So there you, I, there you I go. did not know. It's hard to it's hard to picture him as a as a Hendrick driver. I kind of I didn't see that as as a Hendrick driver. Yeah, well so the, there's a quick story about that. So when when Dale Jr. was young, he was at the track, you know, watching his dad race and he might he might have been twelve, thirteen years old, something like that. He uh I think it was in New York City at the Champions Dinner. Him and Rick Hendrick decided, like, wanted to play kind of a joke on on Dale Senior, and so <laughs> they wrote a contract, a quick contract out on a napkin, and Dale Junior signed it, and Rick Hendrick signed it, and they go to dinner, and they're sitting with Dale Senior, and he's like, "Dale, I just uh, signed your son to race for me uh, when he gets older." And, you know, there was a little bit of a joke, but then once, once the situation at DEI happened and Dale Jr. decided to get out, he called up Rick Hendrick and, and basically kind of let it off by saying, Hey, you remember that contract I signed on a napkin? Uh, let's, That's let's a make it happen. Story. And sure <laughs> that enough, is awesome. they, uh, they, uh, you know, came to an agreement and, and, uh, he, he raced for Hendrick there, uh, to end his career. Was so, that the 88 car? Yep. That, that was, when he was in 88? Yep. 
So, anyways, a little, little fun side story for you. And the 88 from ZJD88. ZJD88, Dale Jr. all the way, baby. <laughs> um, all right, so let's get into the, to the meat here is Daytona. So I know we've got a lot to cover on this one. It, there's a lot of things that, that we can talk about. Um, I first want to just get your overall thoughts on the race. So just high-level high level thoughts. What would you think? So let's let's set the stage of the race. It was supposed to happen Saturday night. It got rained out. It got pushed oh. to Sunday. The forecast for Sunday afternoon did not look good. So they said, you know what? We're going to start the race early Sunday morning and at least get to halfway. So I think going into the race, these drivers and crew chiefs said halfway point is what we're racing to. Whoever's leading at the halfway point probably has a good chance to win this race because of the weather that they thought was coming. So with that being said, this was the craziest Daytona than I, that I can ever recall. Again, Daytona is my favorite racetrack. Love watching racing at Daytona and Talladega. I have never seen a super speedway race this crazy, this chaotic, this entertaining so early on in the race, usually you have drivers fall back. They try to avoid the wreck. It's pr a pretty boring first two stages, and the third stage is just crazy. Flip the script. It was the exact opposite. It was chaos as soon as that green flag flew because they thought they were racing to halfway. So with that being said, I thought it was the craziest race, again, at Daytona that I have ever seen, which led to— Did you to enjoy it? Yes and no. I I hated that there were so many wrecks so early on that kind of just wiped out the field and, and made the ending really uneventful in my opinion. But up until that point, it was it was absolutely wild. What what are your thoughts? You know, you're you're somewhat newer to NASCAR. Is this the craziest super speedway race that you can recall? It was pretty wild. I, I think for me, as I look through the uh, look back at this race, I can't help but be somewhat disappointed because Saturday was, was we hyped it up. I was looking forward to Saturday night and then Saturday night doesn't happen. They cancel it and move it to Sunday. Sunday, it just didn't have, like it just kept waiting. And then we had the three and a half hour rain delay. And then it, it just, it felt like a letdown. Like I, I, I wanted it to happen on Saturday and it didn't and kind of felt, felt off. However, I did enjoy the racing. I did enjoy that every driver, you know, felt that that flag, you know, that rain could come at any point. And the urgency that they ran that race with was was only going to happen if everybody kind of thought, hey, this this race could only go halfway. So everybody had the same idea. Everybody was racing their hardest. It was very entertaining. Uh, I, I did enjoy the the battles and it. it there was just a lot of good hard racing, and so I I did enjoy it. But overall, I was kind of disappointed. It it lost the the eyes of the world. Saturday night, everybody's going to be watching Daytona. It's going to be a crazy race to get into the playoffs, and then it's 10 a.m. on CNBC. It's like yeah. okay, <laughs> it's, all right. I mean, I'm watching it, but and it throws off my weekend. You know, I had had Saturday night booked to to hang out with with Nord and and have a, a, a watch party, and then. Now I'm just on the couch on Sunday morning. I sent a video to you and, and Norton and my kids yelling and I got help helping with homework. I'm like, this is not how I want to watch the Daytona Fire. Yeah. Was 400. So, overall, pretty good race. And I think we got to start our conversation with the, the rain. We talked about it. You mentioned it before. The rain was a factor. It played into the, the pit strategy or the, the strategies over all of the teams. A lot of controversy around the the big wreck that basically took out the two leaders created a wall and took out i mean for all intents purposes it took out the field what are your thoughts on could nascar do something different do you blame them for for not throwing the caution what what do you think could have been done differently there yeah, that's a that's a million dollar question i mean i think nascar is yeah. asking them you know themselves that uh even to even, you know, at this point, uh, 
the thing that bothers me the most about NASCAR is with as much money as they have and as much technology that exists, how are you still relying on humans in the corners of the track to be the deciding factor on whether they see rain or they feel rain or, or they call in and say, yes, we need to throw caution. Let's rewind a little bit. Last year, racing, racing at New Hampshire, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex, lap three, it's raining. They decided to start the race under a mist. They go into turn three. It turns into a heavy downpour. Those two guys wreck. The next five cars wreck, but unfortunately, Kyle Busch and, and Truex just have too much damage to, to continue. So that is the first rain incident that comes to mind that NASCAR screwed up. Now, it's fast, a little different than this situation, though, I, right? So, yeah, I'm saying now, fast forward, yeah. we have a very similar situation, yet this is way more egregious, in my opinion, because this race is the last race before the playoffs start. There are so many drivers trying to to put themselves in position to win and get in. Or if you're like Truex and Blaney, you're trying to like stay in contention, but also not be part of a big wreck. So when those guys went into the corner, I mean, you instantly saw these cars just lose control. And just think about it. You're going 200 miles an hour. You have concrete. You're on concrete. You're on pavement. Everything's fine. And then all of a sudden you drive over sheet ice. And what do you expect? Everyone wrecks. I think NASCAR, you know, they blew it again. I think they would even come out and admit it. You know, unfortunately, they just didn't catch it in time. Again, with the technology that's out there and with as much money as NASCAR makes or has, how do they consistently screw this up? It just blows my mind. And I think that kind of plays into the the disappointment that I felt is we had some good racing, but we did have a a wreck that really altered the playoffs, altered the end of that race. It There were some cars that, I mean, it just took out everybody that had a chance to really to win that race, and I think that kind of plays into it. On your point to NASCAR and, and having the money that they have, I mean, I don't know if this is even feasible, but I would think that you're in Daytona. How many times does it rain in Daytona in the, in this at this time of year? I mean, it's always the raining. Time. They They know it's coming so why wouldn't you have some sensors or some rain sensors you know around the track 100 yards out you know around the track so that they could see okay it's starting to rain 100 yards away from here now we still have time to stop this race because you don't want them to stop it before it's actually raining i mean that's that would be a very nascar thing to do is, is to stop the race because it's raining and then the rain never comes and and then they get bitched at about you know what are they doing stopping the race? So you got to have some kind of reason to point to, but you know, if all these sensors on turn three are lighting up that they're getting wet, wave the yellow flag and let's, let's bring them to, to pit road and, and get them out of there. Cause I think that was just a, a shame that, that they ended that way. Yeah, I agree. And, and so they had uh, one of the big, big wigs in NASCAR. I think his name, last name is Miller. He, he was on the broadcast yeah. During that rain delay, and he basically said, in in NASCAR's defense, the track is so big that everything was fine up until that corner, and then all of a sudden it was almost like a pop up shower. So I'm not again. I don't know if if anything. But if you had could, those sensors out, you know, 100, 200 yards, they would have known that that was. I mean, that, they, they have to have time to be able to react yep. and and get the communication to the to the people and. and that's what they said was their defense. It was a pop-up shower. The, the track is massive. I get the track's massive, but like you said, they they just they need to change how they how they look at the weather and how they do the weather at these tracks because this is the second time in the last two years that they have blown a call. They let the guys out there when it's raining, and unfortunately, it takes out some really big hitters. And again, this was the cutoff race before the playoffs, which just ups the ante so much more and it just makes it look that much worse that they blew it again. So hopefully they can make some changes because you, you can't have this when you're this big a sport with that much on the line. Agreed. If they're going to, if they're going to push this and want to, you know, get people drawn in and you can't have, you can't have a race finished the way that that finished due to, to something that could have been avoided. I feel like so 
Looking at the results real quick, stage one, Logano wins. Stage two, Kyle Busch. So a couple of playoff drivers there. Elliott led the most laps with 31. But your winner <laughs> is Austin Dillon, Zach. How do you feel about Austin Dillon winning this race and knocking your boy Truex out of the playoffs? I will say that anger and disappointment is an understatement. I've been looking forward to this. For watching all day. <laughs> Austin Dillon beat the five remaining drivers out on the track that nobody's ever heard of to, to win the race. It, it like my my blood boils knowing that a shitty driver like Austin Dillon wins the race. Okay, congratulations. You won a race that there were six cars left at the end of this thing running to get yourself into the playoffs. He's the nineteenth best driver in points. Yet he knocks a guy that is top four in points out of the playoffs because he doesn't have a win. It's good for his uh, TV show. Yeah, right? yeah, it sure is. The good old USA. What a great network they are. I'm sure the <laughs> Dillons are paying paying USA for the show, not the other way around. But again, Austin Dillon. It seems like it seems like he just wins the big races. You know what I mean? Like look at his career. He's only won say two, three, four races, whatever they are, but there's some really big races on his resume. So it pains me, it pained me to, to watch him win with, again, five, six cars on the track, and it didn't help or didn't hurt, I should say, that his teammate decided to basically block for him the entire time there at the last four or five laps. As soon as Reddick got in second place, I knew the race was over. I knew Dylan was winning, and unfortunately, Truex is going to miss the playoffs. So... And Austin Dillon did, I mean, he he did pass Cindric, so he, he wasn't leading from the get-go. He had to, to make a pass. So he did, you know, he took it away from Cindric. He gave him a little bump to to get him out of the way, but... Cindric was a sin duck. I mean, it was it was four or five Chevys versus one Ford. He knew it was coming, and there was nothing he could do about it. So, again... He's it, in the playoffs. For, he doesn't really care about that point. Exactly. It made it made for a hell of a, a storyline and some drama there at the end, and and basically from a from a CNBC USA you know comp, like broadcast wise standpoint, this is exact. I mean, they couldn't have wrote a script better than what they what you know how it played out and and what happened for them. So again, I don't think Austin Dillon's a good driver at all. I think he sucks. Fortunately, he won the race and is now in the playoffs because of his lucky win at, at Daytona. So now let's get to this topic that we we kind of talked about it when we saw each other at work, and then we we was like, all right, let's let's hold off on this. Let's let's talk about it on the podcast. So Blaney and Truex, you tweeted out that Truex deserved to be in the playoffs, and I respectfully disagreed with you. So let's let's talk about the way the playoffs are set up now, and maybe some changes that we think maybe should happen as it pertains to how they determine the playoff drivers. So NASCAR, NASCAR's playoff system today, they wanted to drum up excitement. They wanted more people to watch, you know, the race. They wanted to put more butts in the seats. So they came up with this format where it's you win and get in. You win a race, no matter how good the next 25 races go for you, you are pr most likely going to make the playoffs unless there's more than 16 winners in a season. So when they put this format into play, th there was maybe 16 to 18 winners in total for the entire year. This year, because of the next-gen car and kind of leveling the playing field, I don't think NASCAR envisioned there being 16 different winners in the first 26 races. So let's start with that. I think. I yeah, think so this... we we talked about that though, right? We talked about all season. Are they going to get to sixteen? You said they would, so I want to give you props that we did get to sixteen. I didn't think that we would, and I kind of came around to Team Chaos. But in the very beginning, you said we're gonna. I think we're getting to sixteen. So I just wanted to give you your props that that you did call that and sixteen winners is pretty wild. Thank you. Yes. So sixteen different winners this year. Again, I don't think NASCAR envisioned that happening. So that created situation one and situation two, 
is you have two drivers in the top five in points this year without wins, and they were literally battling for their lives at Daytona trying to sneak in. And as you pointed out, Ryan Blaney snuck into the playoffs by three points over Truex because Truex doesn't have a win on his resume. So in my argument about this this playoff format is it rewards a driver for one good race. So you look at the Cindricks, the Dillons, Chase Briscoe. There's a couple other drivers, like Michael McDowell last year. You win one single race. And no matter how garbage your next 25 races are, the other 25 races are, you're in the playoffs. So, for example, let's look at this specific situation. Dylan is in the playoffs. Truex is out of the playoffs. Martin Truex finished fourth in points and is 200 points better this season than Austin Dillon. For reference, Martin Truex Jr. Can li- could literally park his car and not race for four races, and Austin Dillon would still be behind him in points. That shows you how much of a better year Martin Truex Jr. has had versus Austin Dillon. Do I think winning is hard in NASCAR? Absolutely. No one is No one is saying it's not. And if you want to, to keep the format how it is, you win and get in, that's fine. But I think there needs to be a caveat in the point system where if you're a top five, top six, whatever you want to set it at, but if you're in that you know, top five, six in points and don't have a win, you should automatically be in the playoffs based on the consistency you had for that year. And it would be an easy fix to make because that this first round of the playoffs, instead of eliminating four drivers, you would just eliminate, you know, five, six drivers, however many was in the top five in points without wins to then get to your 12 drivers for the next round of the playoffs. Very easy fix. Again, I don't think, I truly don't think NASCAR envisioned a scenario like they saw last weekend at Daytona. For record, Martin Truex Jr. is the highest finishing driver in the regular season points to not make the playoffs since like 2011 or 2014. Some crazy stat like that. So, yes, I'm mad about it. Yes, I'm ticked because Austin Dillon sucks. And why I think this is bad for NASCAR is it's it's – pretty easy to know who the who the first four drivers are going to be out after the first round of the playoffs they win and it's not going to happen Cindric, briscoe dylan these guys suck they have not had consistent seasons and, and they haven't ran up front consistent enough for them to be a, a championship level contender in these playoffs so okay. they're going to be the now first, i'm gonna i'm gonna they're I'm gonna, gonna be the first guys out they might be they might be but they've earned a spot to, to race because they want to race. So I understand what you're saying. I think that I would be okay if they, if they changed the, the format for next year. Fine with that. We, let's talk about this year. So we had a new car. Nobody really knew what was going on with the car. So we had a lot of parody in the, in the races this year. We had a lot of new winners and there's 20, what? 28 races, 26 right? before the playoffs, 26 races. Before the playoffs, Truex had the most points of any driver not make the playoffs. Most stage wins, most, most stage, stage wins, wins out of anybody. So he had opportunities, and he just didn't get it done. It's a very hard thing to do to win a race. And when you say Austin Dillon sucks, yes, he may not be a caliber driver like Martin Truex, but he's still a NASCAR driver. He still has some talent. He doesn't suck. And it still takes some skill to to get your car across the finish line first. Granted, he had a lot of help, but there's a lot of times when there's a lot of help that that happens. And Truex didn't get any. Truex didn't win a race. He didn't put himself in position. He knew going in. These are the rules. The rules are: you get in, you win to get in. That's how NASCAR has it set up. That's how everybody agreed to it. So. I didn't hear Truex whining, and I don't think he will because he's he's not like that. He's a but, class act, man. He's not he's not going to say anything bad about NASCAR. He leaves the whining to you. He'll, yep. You'll take the. I'm a spokesman. I'll, I'll be his whining spokesman. That's fine. So, and you have been. I just think that yes, he has a lot of points, but he didn't win a race. He didn't win a race, 
And that's the difference. To, that's the difference in what we're arguing. You, you are putting all your eggs in not me NASCAR. Uh, NASCAR yes, is. but th- this is the side you're on. You think having 25 really horrendous races, and you win one race, which you look at. He didn't have a horrendous. He finished 19th. So dude, that, that's not, terrible. Uh, that is terrible. <laughs> that is terrible in NASCAR standards. You you you're not even in the top 16 in points. You had a, I don't even know if he has, he he might have one top five and one top 10 on his resume. He's that bad of a driver. He's had a terrible year. Well, I'm pulling it up right now. You're, you're saying one win and I don't care what you do the next 25 races, you're good enough to make the playoffs. What I'm saying is I value consistency and yes, the, the playoff format is what it is. And I agree. Martin Truex didn't win a race. He had his chances. He didn't get it done. But to me, I value a more consistent driver who is a top so four. Why do we care about races and just take the top points? Just take the top 16 in points. Don't care who wins. That's how the old format was. But guess what? NASCAR viewership was tanking. So they had to drum terrible. up some type of excitement. And that's right. And they put it in the hands of the drivers and said, go win a race and you can be in the playoffs. That is way better for these other teams. Look at the, Think about the the Austin Dillons and the Chase Briscoes, how much this means to their team to make it into the playoffs. Because they suck the other 25 races. That's that's just what it boils down to, man. So I'm so, looking at Austin Dillon. Let's look at Austin Dillon in recent races. Dude, he's terrible. He's terrible. I'm, look at, I'm look at the standings. So he had one, four, one win, four top fives, eight top tens, an average finish of 16.7 in 26 not, races. Not really good. Not really good. He, he's just a mediocre, mediocre race car driver. So let's look at who's, who's around him. Martin Truex had an average finish of 13.2 this year, and Austin Dillon had 16.7. He had more top fives, less top tens. Truex had 12 to his eight, and they had 16 and 18 top 20s. And Austin Dillon had a just a slightly worse finish than than Truex did. Look at, so, look at the laps led. Austin Dillon led eighteen <laughs> total laps in twenty six minutes. Eighteen <laughs> laps. That's less than one lap a race, dude. That's that is, terrible. That, that that does not hurt my. That does not help my RB. Martin Truex four hundred and fifty six laps led. I'm telling you, man. Th- this no win, but no win, but no win I, I, again. I don't think the format needs changed. I just think they need a they they need to add a tweak that if you for some somehow some way finish in the top five top six in points with no wins, you should still be able to enter the playoffs because with Martin Truex Jr. seven stage wins in the last twenty six races, that is the most stage wins out of any driver to this point. He would have been seated between fourth and sixth in the playoffs. He legit had a chance to win this whole thing because there is only two short tracks that I can think of off the top of my head and one road course race, and those are the tracks that Toyota struggles. Other than that, they dominate mile and a half, two miles, and they've been fast at, at the speedways. All he had to do was win one race. It is what it is, that. bro. All I'm saying <laughs> is, and I don't think anyone would disagree. I honestly don't. If you're top five in points, there needs to be a caveat that you're able to, to be in the playoffs and they just eliminate that many more drivers in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. I, you know what, if it happens, then, then I'm, I'm okay with it. If they leave it the way it is, I'm also okay with it. I, I honestly don't think we'll probably see this happen again, where we have 16 w- different winners in a, in a season. And let's not forget that Blaney's only in because Kurt Busch gave his medical uh, waived his medical right or yep. medical waiver. waiver yeah and so said you know what I'm which is really sad I, I really feel for him um, but he did an honorable thing and said you know what I'm not going to race and, and I'm going to give that spot up and now Blaney's in and, and it almost would have I mean we had talked about it if we had a new winner at Daytona it was going to be Truex and Blaney out which would have made it even wilder <laughs> Um, but one of them does make it in. So it's definitely the talk of NASCAR is, is the rain and the, the 
Truex missing the playoffs. As you pointed out, I, I don't know if we will ever see something like this again. 16 different winners in 26 races, two drivers in the top 16 that don't have wins, and Blaney and Truex both in the top five in points. That would have been absolutely insane if those two drivers both missed the playoffs, if Kurt Busch you know, was able to race and didn't have his concussion-like symptoms. So it, it's a year for the record books. As a Truex fan, I mean, it's par for the course for this year because it's been it's been just insane. Nuts. I agree. So, so. <laughs> it's been the it's been a good year to start a podcast. I think for sure. So, <laughs> so we'll yeah, we'll see if NASCAR makes any tweaks or not. But let's just hope Truex is in the situation he is this year because he's been. I think he's made the final four the four out of the last six years. He's yeah. finished first. He's had two or three runner ups. I mean, this guy is a solid driver. It just it it it. Breaks my heart that he's not in the playoffs because I truly believe he he would have been a force to reckon with, even though he had no wins to this point. And it's unfortunate that it happened to him and not Kyle Busch because I would have loved, loved to hear the meltdown that Kyle Busch and the, the excuses. And Kyle Busch is kind of like the Scott Frost of NASCAR, except he's better. He has championships. I'm not, I'm not going to touch on that. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna leave that one alone. Yeah, we're gonna leave that one. Let's let's jump let's jump to the uh, well. Before we jump to the top ten, I just wanted to point out. So, speaking of Daytona, craziest Daytona that I can recall. Only five out of thirty-seven cars avoided wrecks. That's insane. Busher finished twenty-seventh, and Wallace, who I, I tweeted or I texted you at one point, I said I think I'm getting a pie in the face because he was. <laughs> Racing up at the front, and he was pretty fast, but got caught up in the the mayhem that happened. So no pie in the face this week. We'll try again this week. So we turn our attention to the fantasy discussion. We knew the team average was going to be a little higher this week than previous weeks, and it was. Came in at 101, so a pretty large number there for the team average. Whenever you have uh, 86% of the teams or 86% of the field involved in a wreck, you're going to have some pretty high scores. So uh, the low was 51 from Jeff Paulson. And the high, do you want to take the high, Zach? I would love to. 157 <laughs> from Bigger bigger Sandwich. I love it. <laughs> well, I figured, you know, Truex missed the playoffs and maybe try to bring <laughs> some joy to your to your mm-hmm. life and, and, and point out the fact that I had 157 freaking points last week. And it almost cost me the playoffs, um, you, which yeah, is pretty you, crazy. You about missed the playoffs with one race, and you, and here I, you are I bragging maybe I had about the how highest, good your year was. <laughs> I thought I had the highest points. Maybe I was going to win some money, but it uh, wasn't quite high enough to to beat the high score. So, uh, rough week definitely for the bigger sandwich team. Let's look at the top ten. Our final top ten of the regular season, and. We have a winner, and it is Amy Weiss. So congratulations to Amy. She is our regular season champion. She has been in the top 10 for six weeks, five of them at the top spot. So she climbed quickly, had one week in the top 10, and then secured her spot at the top. So congratulations to Amy. Adam Studer came in, number, uh, came in at second, and Taylor Schleiss. So Taylor Schleiss gets back into the top three, doesn't get uh, the championship. He was at the top for six weeks, 17 weeks in the top 10. So just a really good run for Taylor and just unfortunate for him that he uh, did not win at all. Up two spots from number five. Number four is Ryan Brash, number two. He's down one from three last week. Crazy Dale also down one. Uh, he's in fifth place. Number six is Steve Rolfus, number four. He spent 15 weeks in the top 10 and was up five spots from number 11 last week. Number seven, even bigger sandwich, up three spots and spent six weeks in the top 10. Dennis Musich, up eight spots, finishes in the eighth spot. So a returning, uh, a returning team to the top 10 in Dennis Musich. Mike Colby jumped up 11 spots and jumped up 11 spots from number 20 to, to 
end the uh, regular season in the top 10 at number 9. And number 10, Adam Holtz, down 3 from number 7, and he rounds out the top 10. So, Zach, before we look at the, the full playoff picture here, thoughts on, on the t- final top 10? It's it was impressive what Taylor did as well as as Steve Rolfus number four as well as Dennis Musich. I mean, when you're talking ten to fifteen up to seventeen weeks in the top ten, that's pretty pretty uh, pretty crazy with how high these scores have gotten in the last couple of weeks. So props to those guys and props to everyone in the top ten for for hanging in there and, and finishing the top ten here these first twenty six weeks. Kinnick Rolfus falls out of the top ten. He goes to P eleven. Yeah, so let's let's jump into the biggest risers of this week. Uh, I'll just touch base on the ones that were playoff impacted. Uh, Adam Studer, number two, was outside looking in before Daytona at P29, and he jumped to P17, so he snuck into the playoff field, so congrats to him. Justin Norton about made a run into the playoffs. He was at <laughs> P40 and got out all the way up to P28, so really, really close, but no cigar. And Keeley Park almost snuck in as well when it got up to P29. So those are the biggest risers that were close to the playoffs. And I guess Nikki Krejci there as well. She she uh, finished yeah, P26. we got to give a shout-out to Nikki on that one. So, she almost made the playoffs. So. I assume that's your sister-in-law, right? It is. It is. So, okay, so I almost had another family member make the playoffs, which would have been crazy. Yeah, I mean that basically is the whole playoff field, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there, but yeah, we'll 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 touch on that. So yeah, shout out to those guys. They they either snuck into the playoffs or game really really close. Biggest fallers this week: David Banger, Scott Frost, number one fan, fell to P thirty three and and missed the playoffs. Uh, Dan Grable just number two just can't close. You know, can't close the games just like Scott Frost. Exactly, David Banger, Scott Frost of NASCAR. He just can't seal the deal. So that's that's, for, uh, that's his team name next year, Scott Frost sure. of NASCAR. We're gonna, we're gonna make that happen. But <laughs> Dan Grable fell to P forty two. Robert Schaefer, Uncle Bob, was the last playoff spot it, uh, before Daytona. He fell outside. Went from uh, went to P thirty eight, so one of his teams didn't make it in, and then bigger sandwich, man, you went from P nine to P twenty three, so you uh, <laughs> you snuck in by one spot. Yeah, that's that is uh, a little too close for me, to all the way down to P twenty three. I didn't realize that it was going to be that bad, but it was pretty terrible. So, looking at the rookies, we had three rookies make the uh, make the playoffs: Taylor Schleiss and P three. Uncle Bob Schaefer, number one in P15, and Patrick McMeekin representing the McMeekin uh, Dick family at P17. Keeley Park, who had spent some time in the top uh, top of the standings there, P29, just missed it. And uh, we mentioned David Bangert in P33. So I think we should have a, a Rookie of the Year award. The, the rookie that finishes highest, I think we need to have a little payout for them. Something I to agree. Think about let's, for, let's... for next year. Agree. Let's make that change next year. Uh, That's definitely something that we should add. So the playoffs are set. So we've got 24 teams. The difference between first and 24th ended up at 163 points. So up three from last week. So it kind of spread out as we got towards the end of the, of the regular season here. Adam Studer, you mentioned gets both of his teams in uncle Bob Schaefer only gets one. The other, person that had some teams in is is myself and so I had my two teams both make it in plus my two girls Kinnick who I picked for for him and then my dad and uncle all made it in so pretty good year for the Rolfus family wouldn't you say Zach I, I gotta give you credit man that that is very impressive and for for a guy that hasn't been in the playoffs yet well instead of just getting one you might as well just get your whole sandwich family in so let's just do it let's go big or go home so (laughs) now i will say it's going to be really interesting to see if when your family and your teams consist of 33 percent of the playoffs let's see if either or any of your teams can cash in when it counts that is true. The pressure's on now. We got to we got to finish this. So let's just touch on the rest of the playoff field here, and then we'll kind of talk about how this is going to work, just for everybody, kind of give a refresher. So in eleventh 
was Kinnick Rolfus. 12th is Reagan Rolfus. Pat Beeson is in 13th. Tracy Norton, number one, is in 14th. So he gets, uh, he represents the Norton family in this uh, year's playoffs. Uncle Bob Schaefer, uh, P15. Fast Eddie in 16th. Ron Boyson in 17th, tied with Adam Studer, number two. Patrick McMeekin and Don Brockman. Jasmine Rolfus and Richard Rainey tied, tied for 21st. Bigger Sandwich in 23rd and Brian Brockman in 24. Uh, looking at your last four out of the play or the first four out of the playoffs, Matt Powers, Nikki Krejci, Lisa Abel, and Justin Norton, number one. So what could have been for those four teams? They're on the outside looking in. Uh, but a pretty good, uh, pretty good playoff field here. And let's let's review how this is going to work, Zach. You want to break it down? How how the cuts are going to work? So the cuts. So it, it kind of follows NASCAR's format with the rounds. You have three races per round, but instead of four drivers like NASCAR that gets cut, I believe the cut is six in our fantasy league. Correct. And then there are six uh, fantasy teams that will race for the championship uh, at Phoenix. Uh, if you look at the playoff preview for NASCAR purposes, uh, there's four rounds. You have a round of 16, which is going to be these next three weeks, Darlington, Kansas, Bristol. The next round is the round of 12, which is Texas, Talladega, and the Charlotte Roval, which is the only road course race. I think we mentioned – Last week, there might be two road courses. There's one. It's the Charlotte Roval, which is in the round of 12. The round of eight is Vegas, Homestead, and Martinsville. And then your championship race, like we just mentioned, is going to be at Phoenix this year like it was last year. And and for our standings, we do reverse the reverse standing. So Amy Weiss is going to start with negative 24 points, and Brian Brockman is going to start with is it zero or negative one point? Is that right? I I thought Norton said Amy just starts at zero or one, and then the twenty fourth starts with with twenty four. Oh, twenty four. So okay. So yeah, it's, so it's it's something like that. So that makes sense. So yeah. So you start with you, Amy Weiss gets zero. Brian Brockman starts with twenty four points. So where you finish does matter. And the other thing to consider is. The final round will only be six fantasy teams involved. However, the top 10 get paid out. So if you are eliminated, you can still make it in that top 10. And even though you may not finish in the top six because you've been eliminated, you can still get 7th, 8th, ninth, or 10th. And obviously those payouts are are a little bit less, but still can get in the money. So even if you do get eliminated, you do have a chance to still finish in the top 10 and and get paid, which is obviously what the what the goal is um, to start. So good stuff. We're in the playoffs. This is the exciting time, and let's let's make some picks. Let's we're gonna get to the the race preview, and, and we'll look towards next this weekend's race. But let's do an overall uh, championship four, and then who your champion is, and let's see see if we can how many we get right. Okay. You want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. The All right. when when you look at the playoff field and how it sits, the races that are the, or the tracks that are going to happen in the next ten weeks, my playoff four are Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, and my wild card pick is Kyle Rowdy Bush. I think with the pressure on him trying to find a sponsor, uh, I think he somehow sneaks into the final four. With that being said, who I think wins the championship this year? Hold on, don't don't do your champion yet. I'll do okay. my four, and then you can okay. then you can pick your 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 champion. Unfortunately, I wrote mine down before you did, and we have three of the same. So obviously, Elliot uh, is going to be my number one. Larson Hendrick is just he's he's a good driver. Hendrick is a good uh, team, so I think he's probably in there. Hamlin. And then my fourth one is Joey Logano. So those are our four. So we have the same, three of the same, which is a little bummer, but hard not to pick Elliott and Larson and Hamlin. But let's hear who you're going to pick as your champion 
Well, we know you who don't... you're picking. You're going to stick with your boy, your your homer, Chase Elliott. Uh, I'm going with Kyle Larson. I think he's going to pull off a bit of an upset. Uh, Elliott had the momentum. He's kind of had a couple down races here as of late. Larson, you know, he won at Watkins Glen. Controversy uh, in play, but a win is a win. And and he's going to some tracks here that he's had some really good uh, runs at as of late. So he's my pick to win. And again, I think he's a bit of a a dark horse or upset pick. Chase Elliott's the favorite to uh, win it all this year. So I'm gonna, it's it. I'm gonna say you're wrong. I didn't. I'm not taking Chase Elliott to win this. Really? So I, I, I obviously I think he's strong and and probably the probably one of the best drivers. He's obviously the top four. But I think he won it last year. I want somebody else to win it. Somebody that's deserves it. Gonna make Norton really mad. I'm going with Hamlin. I think he this is the year that he finally pulls it off and and wins wins it all. I'm shocked by that. And, <laughs> and I remember so if I remember correctly though, Kyle Larson won the championship last year. Chase Elliott, oh, yeah. I believe, won in yeah. nineteen or I twenty. Twenty, but, yeah. But Chase Elliott has been the dominant driver this year. Yes. And, he, and he's got to be the favorite to win it all again this year. But Denny Hamlin, that, that's a bit of a so, wild and, pick. So, and, and, and I think, obviously, I think he's going to get to the final four. And then at the final four, it's it's one race. You know what I mean? And, and so at that point, if if Hamlin and, and Elliott are, are there in the final four, is Elliott always going to beat Hamlin? Is he that much better? I don't think he is. And Hamlin's time's running out, man. His father time is catching up with him, and he's not going to have many opportunities. So I think he's going to be a little bit extra motivated. He's been really fast lately, and I think I think this is the year. I part of it is 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 hope and wish and and you know picking with my heart because uh, I really want him to win win a championship, but. <laughs> There are some facts to back that up too. He he is he's qualified to win and and he's got the equipment in the car to do it. So we'll see what happens. So we'll uh we'll see how how many we get right. Basically it comes down to who our champion is and and if Kyle Busch can ride with his chip on his shoulder and and uh pull out some kind of mer- some kind of win. So he's starting in what position? Well, in the standings, I, he's he's toward the back. So he's he probably needs a win in the first the first stage. So you look at the standings. Kyle Busch is seated eleventh, and okay. he is ten points to the good right now. Uh, so yeah, he's got to he's got to at least get ha, have a good race at Darlington just to kind of you know, maintain or pad his results. Toyotas are fast at Darlington, so he's got a really good chance to do that. You know, with with these picks here, or I guess you look at the standings, the bottom four, Austin Dillon, Alex Bowman, Sindrick, and Daniel Suarez are the four lowest-seeded drivers heading into these playoffs. And again, drivers, <laughs> drivers that have one win and may or may not <laughs> Or, or Mayor should not be in the playoffs based on how the rest of the year has gone for them. Yeah, so he's he's he should be get, make it to the uh, to the round of twelve. Then he, you would think, man, you would think. But again, it's this format is if you win a race in the in that three or that round or those three races, you're automatically advanced in the next race. So you could see some wild cards happen, such as Austin Dillon, if he somehow miraculously can pull out another victory or or any of those drivers that we mentioned. If you win in that round, you automatically advance. So that is why the allegiance and, and friendships and respect levels are all out the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pressure is on these guys, and they will pretty much do anything and everything to try to win in advance. So uh, you, I think you're going to see some fireworks, especially at Bristol, the Charlotte Roval, and Martinsville, because those are your cutoff races uh, for the drivers who haven't clinched or who are desperately needing a win to advance. Yep, two weeks, we get to go to Bristol. Two Can't weeks. wait. 
Can't wait. So, all right. Speaking let's of, about uh, this week's, yeah, let's go to this week's race. Yeah, speaking of Darlington, so this the first playoff race uh, in the chase is at Darlington. We've we raced there in the spring. Uh, we're coming back to race again. Uh, it is in Darlington, South Carolina, and it, as we mentioned earlier, it is or on the last podcast, this is the uh, Lady in Black. Uh, it has a name. Again, you'll see these guys get stripes or, or the Darlington stripe is what they call it on the right rear quarter panel. Uh, you run high, you run against the wall, and, and most of these guys are going to rub uh, or or hit the wall before the end of the race. So because we already did track facts on this uh, race, I thought we'd do some fun facts about Darlington and kind of look at some of the fun things or, or cool historical things that have happened at Darlington uh, in the past. So we're, we're going to rename this section Zach's Fun Facts of the Night. doesn't have the same ring to it. It doesn't, but this is what we're going to have to go with since we're hitting, <laughs> right. these, hitting these tracks here, yeah. uh, more than once. So th- this is in homage to, to Steve Rolfus, the Zach's Fun Facts. The first fun fact is Darlington has been the site of some of the best finishes in NASCAR history. If you've watched or been a NASCAR fan and have watched racing for a long time, there's two finishes that stand out to me at Darlington that, you know, were really, really crazy at the time and really, really entertaining at the time. And the first one that everyone who's been a NASCAR fan um, probably can recall, Kurt Busch and Ricky Craven were battling at the end of a Darlington race back and forth, back and forth. And on the last lap coming out of turn three, they legit just were door to door banging and bumping against each other the entire time until they get to the checker flag. And it was one of the closest finishes in NASCAR history, which was a really exciting finish uh, and and one that is, uh, you know, talked about and and definitely in the historical books. Uh, The other one was Todd. Who won that? Who won that race? Man, I was just trying to think. I think you can't leave me hanging. I know. I think uh, it was Ricky Craven uh, who ended up winning that race. Uh, Ricky Craven, I don't think had that many wins under his belt. But I believe we got to fact check that. I'm trying to push. You dropped a fun fact like that, and you can't tell me who wins. Yeah, it's Ricky Craven. He won the closest race at the time in NASCAR history. So. It was a bit of an upset, too, because Kurt Busch, that was in his prime, driving for Roush, Roush uh, Racing. And then um, Ricky Craven was kind of on the tail end of his career, but he, he was able to sneak out another win. So Ricky Craven did win that at the time. I never even heard of Ricky Craven. So. Yeah, so he was, much I know. he was an announcer there t- uh, in the last couple of years. And I, I don't know what he's doing anymore, but... Uh, he seems like a really good guy. He just he, he wasn't able to win that many races, but again, he had the upset at Darlington, beat Kurt Busch. Uh, the other one that I could recall, it was an Xfinity race, and Todd Bodine and Jamie McMurray. I don't know if you've heard of either either of those two drivers. Todd Bodine but, sounds familiar. Okay, so he was a big truck racer. This was the Xfinity series. Jamie McMurray had a pretty pretty long career in NASCAR, won some crown jewels. Um, but they raced, and Todd Bodine wrecked Jamie McMurray coming off turn three or four, however you want to call it, at, Dar- at Darlington with its odd-shaped track, and-, and wrecked him. Bodine went on to win, and Mc- McMurray finished second, basically going backwards across the finish line. So it was a- it was another exciting finish and, and one that uh, came to mind in regards to the, you know, these close finishes at Darlington. So it is a place of fireworks and, and I, I expect nothing, nothing less this weekend. The last fun fact of the night, and I I thought this, this was cool because it, it helped explain where Bill Elliott got the nickname million dollar bill. I've always wondered why people called him million dollar bill, which is Chase Elliott's dad, your boy Chase. This is his dad. But at the time, Winston was a huge sponsor of NASCAR, the tobacco company. Uh, they were giving out a million dollars to any driver who could win three of the four crown jewels of NASCAR. And the crown jewels at the time uh, were da- the Daytona 500, the Winston 500, which is at Talladega, the Coca-Cola 600, which is at Charlotte, 
and the Southern 500, which is at Darlington. And going into Darlington, Bill Elliott had won the Daytona 500 and the Winston 500. And he ended up winning the Southern 500 at Darlington and won a million bucks. 1985 million dollars is worth a ton of money in today's dollars. I, I don't know the exact dollar amount, but I bet it's probably between three and five million dollars if I had to guess. So it's a lot of money back then, and that's where he got his name or, or nickname Million Dollar Bill. So that that is your fun facts of the evening. When you look at Darlington, you look at the driver's stats, the top five drivers that that are are active finishers. Uh, at Darlington, Denny Hamlin leads them all with 7.8. Kyle Larson is 8.9. My boy Truex is 11.5. Two of two surprises here. Eric Jones is fourth with 11.8, and then my my new least liked <laughs> driver in NASCAR, Austin Dillon, is at 11.9. So if you if you think about this weekend's race at Darlington. If you want to, tr- if you want to have a long shot or a wild card, this would be the race that Austin Dillon has to finish well and hopefully win if he thinks he's going to get past this first round of the playoffs. That's very interesting. He's only 0.4 spots behind Truex. He's right there. He I don't right know how there. many races that I mean, how many races that is, but it's going to uh, be a lot less. But yeah, still, nonetheless, uh, I was and surprised. Eric Jones with... and Eric Jones up in there too. That's and that's, a lot that's of surprising. a lot of Jones finishes were when he was racing with Joe Gibbs Racing. Toyotas are really strong here at Darlington, so I'm surprised, but not uh, with Eric Jones because he 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 won a race there off the top of my head with Joe Gibbs, uh, and then again Toyotas are strong there. But the Austin Dillon one was really surprising to me because it just seems like he only wins, you know, one race every other year, and it's and it's a big race in, in regards to the, you know the crown jewels or the big prestigious races so oh, i was shocked maybe he doesn't finish. suck yeah he still does he still does that's why he has a tv show <laughs> i mean it is killing me to like try to like root for Austin dylan because it makes me mad because he is such a fucking tool and the the, the tv show and the commercials that they run it it's it's awful so it's pretty i kind of want to hate him with you but it's more yep. fun to get you riled up so no it's all good Let's make some picks and see if we can get some pies in the face. And is it my turn to go first? Yep, you go first. Go ahead. Perfect. So, uh, I mean, this one's obvious to me. I think Hamlin, he's my champion driver. I think he's going to come out strong. You've mentioned uh, Toyotas are very fast at Darlington. He's had a good history, and this seems like a no-brainer. Taking Denny Hamlin. I, uh, I like that pick. I respect that. Uh, I'm going with Kyle Larson. Uh, he, he was really fast here in the spring. He unfortunately, uh, I think he blew an engine or had some kind of mechanical failure uh, and had to exit the race and actually finish last. But he, he's really, really fast at, at Darlington. This kind of track lends itself to, to I would say, the dirt track type drivers because it's going to be very, very slick. And uh, I think Kyle Larson is going to do really well here this weekend. And, and I, I pick him to win the race. So we went with our champions in <laughs> the first race that we get a chance to pick. Well, so guess what? Uh, you, to, pretty fitting. You've got to win to, to advance and, and be, be there at the end in the final four. And there's only one way to do that. And that's to, to win in advance. So, And I think that we're, the odds of a, a pie in the face happening is going to be I think it's going to be higher now because the drivers that we're going to obviously pick playoff drivers and there's probably not going to be any outside of two outside of the box, you know, uh, picks for us. And because it's the playoffs and those drivers are in it, they're, I mean, they're probably going to have a good chance to win. So I think it's going to be uh, nail biting time when it comes to one of these races, because I could definitely see Larson winning this race uh, as well as Hamlin and, and some others, but should be, should be interesting to watch. I agree. I think I think the odds of us, one of us, getting a pick right here in the next ten races is is pretty close to one hundred percent. So I, I won't be shocked if if one of us gets lucky, like Austin Dale did last week. Just, <laughs> just can't help it. 
<laughs> man, you, you just got, it's really got to you. It's, it's been, I mean, we're three days after it still, or two days after. It's, it's ruined my week, man. It has ruined my week. And I, I hope Austin Dillon finishes dead last every single well, race from here on out. I'm going to, I'm going to go, uh, watch, uh, what is the show? Keeping up with the Austins or something. What is it? What is the show called? Isn't it called like life in the fast lane or some stupid Oh yeah. Thing? Life in the fast lane. Some stupid. Yeah. Some stupid the stupid show um i'm gonna go watch a couple episodes of uh life in the fast lane and get me pumped up so there you go there you go (laughs) all right man (laughs) good to talk to you this good to see you and uh we'll talk to you next week sounds good man the atop the pit box podcast is supported by paradiseexecutiveproperties.com with winter coming up now is a great time to book a trip to lake of the ozarks and paradise executive properties has you covered They have several modern and fully furnished homes for up to 19 people. So bring your friends and family down to create a memory that will last a lifetime. For more information or to book your reservation, visit ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. It's no days off. Take no breaks. You in my lane. You in my way. Cross that line, it ain't your day, I lost my mind, I need my spine.